Hello, and welcome to Series 1 of The Power of Impact, Stories of a Better Future. My name is David Simmons, and in each episode, I shall be talking to someone about the charity they lead and how they manage to prove the effectiveness of that charity. So now, let me introduce you to the one and only Ruth Rice, who pioneered the charity Renew Wellbeing. Ruth Rice of Renew Wellbeing and so much else besides. Welcome. Uh, Great to see you. Um, First of all, tell us all about yourself and about the charity that you founded. Hi, David. Nice to see you. It's, um, yeah, so Ruth Rice. I'm in Nottingham and uh, I run a charity called Renew Wellbeing which is working nationally to help churches set up quiet shared spaces where it's okay not to be okay. So it's a it's not a mental health charity, although I get billed as that. It's really a prayer movement, actually. So Interesting. So a prayer movement. Tell us a bit more about that. So my own journey with mental health was um, an interesting one in that I just, I think it was burnout for me. I was uh, a primary school teacher and then I became a church leader. And in between those two, I had this year of complete and utter burnout where I couldn't really get out of bed. And I found church a bit of a nightmare because it was all, it was very busy. It was very busy and I was part of the busyness and I had sort of done this to myself. And I I couldn't really cope with all the... Um, the rotors and the stuff and I needed I needed quieter peaceful rhythms of prayer and ways in which I could attend to my spiritual and emotional well-being with people because mm. I don't I don't function well on my own but actually got very isolated during that year because I couldn't actually cope with the kind of pressure of people needing me to be well again because I've always been a kind of upbeat person and I I, I couldn't be um Gosh. and i think needing something that didn't exist sort of drove me to find a way to continue a life of prayer and community that brought us to the rhythms that we now have so sort of meditation on the psalms little tiny bits of psalm because i couldn't hold more than a phrase in my head and um sort of rhythms of prayer that i'd come across in retreat centers but thought i can't I can't go to a retreat centre, and neither can many, many people, even though I love them. How about this was retreat in daily life, something that we could just happen upon on the high street, maybe just, you know, a a pinch of the presence of God that made us want more. So I um, I set up a space here in, in Nottingham when I was able to, out of my own rhythms and habits, which were meditating on a psalm holding a cup and knowing I am held by him my life like a cup in his hands psalm in the morning lord's prayer at lunchtime rewind the day at the end of the day these were the habits and rhythms that brought me back to life steadily slowly I still walk with an emotional limp I still need steady rhythms and habits in my life I still need to practice the presence of God but I need people to do it with and so Mm. that was kind of it was a very selfish charity I also (laughs) needed to be more human and I needed to have some hobbies and some just because moments and some creativity in my life and it was all getting pushed out by need and and stuff and and, I don't know about you but I'm just not very good at doing just a, a just because moment. I like them. I have them in the holidays, but those mm. kind of building into the rhythm of your day and your week and your month and your year, moments of pause, moments of creativity, moments of enjoyment. I needed a community to help me do that. And so Little New Life Baptist Church here in Nottingham, bless them, decided to come on this white knuckle ride with me, of seeing if we could 
have a space that didn't feel too pressurized, that was more like a cafe. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a cafe. It was actually attached to an existing cafe. So we didn't need to run a cafe because that would have been just another pressure. Another thing, yes. Like, oh, no, egg sandwiches for Jesus, that. <laughs> so I just, I couldn't space that. But we live in West Bridgeford in Nottingham. If anyone knows, it's, there's 23 cafes. I mean, we didn't need another one. What we needed was a place where people felt they were comfortable, they were welcome. That wasn't my home because I tried that and I got overwhelmed by saying, everybody come, <laughs> be with mm. me and we'll all be able to get a no. So we needed a place to attend to well-being that felt like home but wasn't my home. And got this lovely little space on a high street here in West Bridgeford that was attached to an existing cafe. And we shared, the church shared the rent with the cafe next door. Um, So it's sort of like you walked into the space and it was bring a hobby, share a hobby, any face and none, no proselytising, anyone can join in. And we all just brought, no, there were no experts, was no them and us, it was just everyone's a human being. And yes, it was hosted by folk from the church, but... To be honest, there was as much to learn as there was to teach. So mm. we just sat together and did, you know, silly hobbies and exciting hobbies. And I seem to remember David, you visiting and yes. playing a terrible game. And there were all sorts of games and hobbies, and there still are. I mm-hmm. mean, if I say we started that in 2015, so eight years ago, um, four days a week, little church, not a hot and happening church, little lovely bunch of people, um, they're still doing it four days a week eight years later, even though I left the church five years ago, to set, six years ago, to set the charity up. So it's sustainable beyond the person who pushes for it. Mm. And then if you walked through that space, you get a cup of tea, get help yourself, and then there's this prayer space. So when I right. say it's a prayer movement, the actual heartbeat of the place is is almost some people never come across it because they just come and join in as part of community. But for me... It was the prayer space that was the place I needed to be in. I needed to spend time in this still, quiet, but shared space of prayer, mm. where at different points during the session, we'd just pause and have a, a sort, of, sort of spoken prayer. Beautiful. Yeah, Simple. Fantastic. And anyone can join in. So, so it all started, you, you got the inspiration when you went on a retreat in Wales, is that right? Yeah, Faldi Brennan, yeah. Yeah, Faldi Brennan, my goodness me. It appears in a lot of people's stories, that place. Does, yeah, and yeah. from there, you started West Bridgeford, and then what happened? Well, that, that was a weird thing, because I didn't know I was setting up some sort of movement. I was just selfishly going, oh, it can exist. You know, so we had three... I think from there, it was we had the year of... Bless this little church. I took my leadership team with me and went to Falter Brennan and said, this and this, but imagine this on a high street. Imagine mm. if we weren't so busy running church... We could actually host the presence of God on our high street for sure. And so the, the the group I took with me kind of got it. And I can remember saying to them, look, if the cafe bit doesn't work, we've got a place of prayer on the high street. What could be wrong with that? So I kind of thought it was just something that it was God was doing with us at New Life. I didn't really think too much more about it. And we'd begun to partner with mental health services to say, could you come and tell us whether this is safe or not for people? We'd mm-hmm. like this to not just be for church. This is for anyone. So, so there was sort of be prayerful, be present, be in partnership. And I, about a year in, there were other church leaders coming and saying to me locally, this is lovely, Ruth, joining us for prayer. And how do we do this? So I started sort of tentatively trying to flesh out why it was working. It wasn't just in one place. What were the principles? But to be honest, 
I could have made myself ill again trying to help people set something up and lead a church full time. At the same time, I came across Cinnamon Network's funding that was going on that, that you had to go and do this awful dragon's den. I don't say awful. I, 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 it was the scariest thing I've ever done because you were putting your life on the line to say, this is something I really believe in. Does anyone else get it? Mm. And you had six minutes to pitch for something that could be life-changing. Um, and it was sort of a beginning of a journey, I think, with Cinnamon as well. They were looking at these sort yes. of incubator projects, and we were the, one of the first. Well, and yeah. I'm so grateful for, I think we had sort of 15 grand out of that, which enabled me to say to them, my poor little church, I need to step back two days a week and at least use that funding to work out what is this that's going on. And it was the help from the guys at Cinnamon that actually helped me think about why was this working? What was it that was, the, what were the principles that anyone could adopt? Mm. Not just, because I thought everyone needs a tea shop on the high street. <laughs> uh, turned out not to be the case because the second one that happened was in a, you know, in an existing church building and I'm going, oh, that's not very nice. And only two hours a week, not four days a week. So we began to see that the principles were, at least two hours a week show up and make sure that prayer space and cafe style space coexist together. Make sure people can wander between the two. Begin your partnership early on with somebody from mental health services. And, and so this way of training people began and, and then it, it only trickled, to be honest, even in the early days. And by the time we got to beginning a pandemic, there were 50 of these centres, and I thought, wow, <laughs> See, that's, that's ridiculous. How's well, that happening? Five zero, fifty-five zero. wow. Yeah, but but, but, but actually now I realise that was a little bit of a drop in the ocean. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and what I was hearing was, and it's because I'd by that time I'd kind of given up the day job completely because I couldn't keep both things going, and I'd taken a leap into the unknown and set up Renew Wellbeing as a, as a separate charity, and put some training, but that I delivered. So I would turn up, poodle down in my car, show people how to do it. And of course, then the pandemic happened and everything stopped overnight. And I thought, mm. well, that's the end of that then. But it was actually just the start because then you worked out how to just give away what you were learning on another platform where anybody could access it. And so we put all our training online and made it free and... Um, and I think we're at about 250 centres now, but it's kind of like helping them to tell their stories where they can multiply out of what they're doing. Mm. Um, so we've just begun outside the UK as well, which is really bonkers. Wow. Where, where um, about? <laughs> Melbourne, of all places. Oh, great. And that was whilst, whilst I was having a nice holiday this August. Oh, <laughs> accidentally, a renew centre set up in Melbourne. So if you're like... This this is like growing weeds, and they're beautiful. They turn to turn out to be wildflowers. Really, very humbling journey because God is doing something mm -hmm. here, and that the hunger for people to in churches to do something more simple and sustainable and yes. slower and gentler. Um, and I, 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 you only it doesn't land everywhere. Well, yeah. don't get me wrong, but. Certainly, it's almost like a Me Too movement because I'll say, look, I, I got a bit broken and this is what happened and this is what I tried. And I get nodding going on all around the, the screen. Absolutely and then people right, go, yeah. me, me too, me too. Lots of 
very weary leaders. Um, and it's amazing how, so how many of us try to push, just keep on going because we think that's the thing to do. And yeah. we're not realising that actually there's a knock on our door saying, maybe you need to take a step back. And Sabbath is built in that. Yeah. We don't yeah. we don't start from a place of rest. We start from a place of stress. And so, uh, yes. Who'd want, so... To, who'd want to join that? I mean, I, I, was, I, I can remember because <laughs> exactly. I was teaching at the time. I was also lay leading. Right. And I, my lovely colleagues at, at work were not at all interested in what I believe because they saw this mad lifestyle every evening taken up with meetings every but when I became unwell suddenly the interest peaked because they knew what it was to suffer stress and worry and anxiety and they saw the difference that the rhythms of prayer and habits of stillness and and community it made a difference and when I became the more broken and honest I became (laughs) the more interested people became in the gospel I said I believe before but I wasn't really I was peddling it not practicing it and so for for churches to become communities that prioritize shalom that show you what it looks like when we say we pray what do you mean by prayer is it is it what does it mean by God is with me and I know he's with me what does it mean by it's okay to lament and it's okay to be angry with God. What what does a relationship actually look like? Mm. What are the nuts and bolts of that? And I think that's what people are interested in, is what does your offstage life really look like? And if we could if we could actually live into that and rip off a bit and share it, people are hungry for the, the authenticity. They really of a, are. A gospel life. They really are. They really are. So let's um let's have a look at a couple of um, stories that you might tell about, you know, the immediate impact of this this revolutionary sort of ground movement, which seems to just take place organically. What sort of stories do you have? Oh, so many. I mean, the trouble with my stories, David, is they're not really my stories. True. And I'm really careful with them because... When we say one of our little strap lines, you know, it's okay not to be okay, what you don't then want to do is measure people's okayness and go, oh, look, this happened and these people are now fine and they're all back at work. And we have got some stories of people's well-being being improved by being with us. But that's not the stories we can tell because I don't want people to feel like, oh, I've been the pin-up for a well-being charity yeah. and not well. Because actually we've begun to believe that well-being is not about being well. And so looking a bit further back, so for example, Renew 37 that started all this, the fact that they are still going mm. eight years later, we had three hosts now 22 or something. The fact that people are still finding that to be a place of belonging is, is a massive, massive and amazing story and within that are loads of little stories that yes. are not my tell and so I, I could tell a few you know the lady who said and you know this story because it, it hits me it, here is the lady it. who said when I said to her why do, well why do you like it here and she'd sort of come along and then she'd come through the door and and stayed for one minute I remember the first time she came and then she'd sat down and watched someone knitting and then she'd learnt to knit and then she taught someone else to knit. And then a year later, she decided she'd come into the prayer space. <laughs> and then she'd come to faith. And that had been kind of almost like whilst we weren't looking, you know. It was like, well, what? but we didn't do an alpha course. <laughs> <laughs> she'd met with God in the people and the presence of the and, and the presence of God in the prayer space. And um, anyway, when I said, why do you like it here? She said, well, now someone knows my name. 
And it transpired that she'd lived in the same town as me for 30 years and she could go all day and never hear her name spoken. And it still breaks my heart because Mm. I must have passed that woman on the street a hundred times to go to a nice church meeting. And I could not, from that moment onwards when she told me she'd go to the GP because that's when she heard her name called out, I couldn't carry on playing church and and not have a place where she was named. Yes. And I, I still can't. And it's still a harbour. Another lady who'd lost her son to suicide and said, this place has saved my life because there was nowhere else where you could go and not have to, you know, to be on your, to be in, in company with others, but also on your own. And then suddenly you've got this place where you can't, you can be out of your own home, not on your own, but you don't have to chat. You can go and sit in the quiet space. Mm. And teaching churches to say, have two sorts of spaces. Don't Community is, is not what everybody needs. Sometimes people need scaffolded solitude. They need to be somewhere where it's safe, but they can be on their own. Mm. And I don't see anyone but the church doing that. I, I think we don't. We do believe you're never on your own. We believe that we've got the presence of God with us. And so, watching this happen—that this woman had somewhere she could come and be—was fascinating to me. She would just sit in that quiet space all day and then go home, having not felt alone and not really communicating. And you're thinking, we haven't counselled anybody, we haven't prayed for anybody. I can't work out what's happening here, but we are hosting something remarkable and then there's you know there's stories yeah. up in there was a um, a chap who was going to the renew space up in north allerton and when i met him he was in a bit of a sorry state and he'd been very lonely and had been addicted and he'd found the renew space and he was delighted and there was a little bit of a rule he couldn't come in if you were under the influence and it really helped him to get sorted um, and the only time he'd really found a place to belong and be known for his strengths and not his weaknesses, not a place where he was being fixed. Mm. So he's a brilliant photographer. And and the front cover of my book, Slow Down, Show Up and Pray, is one of his photographs made into these hands. Sadly, he died um, very suddenly and was found actually by hosts from the Renew space, not long after he'd been part of Renew. But his family said... They'd never known him be so peaceful and so happy and have a place where he belonged. Before he died, he had known peace. And I don't know where else he'd have found that. Mm. And these stories are not always wonderful stories of glory, glory, everybody's healed. But we do believe in a God who heals and drip Mm. feet slowly just by being together. We, there are, there's story after story of people so you're, let's finding just quickly, quickly mention your book, Slow Down, Show Up and Pray. Slow Down, Show Up and Pray. Although, commonly known as Shut Up and Pray by nearly <laughs> everybody. <laughs> I just, just called it that. <laughs> I think um, what's interesting about the spaces is that people are realising that you don't have to put on an act. There's yeah. no pressure to be anything other than who you are, vulnerabilities warts and all and I think that is so liberating in this 21st century crazy world that we live in yeah it really is it really is that that's the thing that I've just found so releasing so when I wasn't well 
to be doing nothing and feeling mm. rubbish and, and thinking, well, I'm useless then. Because you know that language that we use in the church of being used by God. And when you can't <laughs> do anything, you can't even hold a sentence in your head, you can't get up and look after your children, you feel completely rubbish and you think, oh, and it's just all in my mind, you know, the sort of thing that you've told mm. yourself. Um, and then to hear the whisper of God saying, Ruth, I couldn't love you anymore. I'll never love you any less. And you're doing nothing. That's when you understand the gospel as being not about you earning it or achieving anything, but this sense of knowing you are loved before the day begins. So we have these rhythms of prayer that I do online every morning. I open a Zoom room at nine o'clock and lots of people from around the country join in and practice what they will then do in their own spaces, mm. which is, you know, a bit of Psalm 103 verses 1 to 4, and it kind of ends with being crowned with his love and compassion. And, and, and I say to myself every morning, you've already got his love. You already are wrapped in his compassion. Have some self-compassion today. <laughs> you can't earn it. No. There are no more. There's no more applause you need than that. <laughs> So I think for people to understand they are included in that, everyone. Mm, there mm. is no them and us. It's not this, how do we reach our communities? We are the community. We're, we're human beings. <laughs> and sort of gently also showing up ourselves in our own lives, in our own spaces and saying, I'm here for me, actually. I'm not just here to serve my community. I'm actually here because I need to be here. Yes, yes. That's we're not, It's no professional sort of them and us thing. Now, going on, you mentioned partners. What sort of partners yeah. do you recommend that people have when they start a new centre? Well, I used to say, <laughs> I used to say, get somebody from you, yeah, go to your local council, find out who's responsible for adult mental health and social care, get a conversation with them, see if you can find someone who's got, like, you know, community in their title. <laughs> get them to come and sit in the space with you and so that you can signpost both ways. So the church can stick to what they do well. Don't try doing rubbish mental health care on the cheap. Signpost out to where there is some... And I used to say <laughs> to do that. Now, then we had a pandemic. And if I'm being realistic here, it's very hard now to make sure that you get a good partnership with very, very oversubscribed services. However... I do think there's a better heart now than ever there has been to work with voluntary organisations. Mm. And so as long as we are clear about what we can manage sustainably, and I don't think it's what churches think they can do, I think what we can do is put the kettle on, be present, show up, be honest, pray, uh, uh, do some hobbies. That, that we could be doing for the rest of our days. And when we say to services, that's the offer. So I think we're still looking for people with community or link work or social prescribing. But you might be more likely to find that maybe through your local GP or maybe through another charity like Mind. But I'd still be saying to churches, try and find out where your partners are in this and signpost to them, learn from them. Don't go <laughs> saying everything's a bit broken, mental health services are rubbish, we're going to fill that gap. Point to the gap, by all mm. means. Bless the people standing around the gap, but try not to... I think I say something like, under-promise for a really long time rather than over-promising for a short time. <laughs> um, like because that. this is... this. Our services aren't going to get back quickly. No. And also, our mental and emotional health of our nation isn't just a medicalized issue there are there are there are spiritual dynamics to this that 
the church has got a really big place at the table to say this is about the shalom that we from the beginning Absolutely. of time, yes, this yes, is yes. the gospel. It is. It is. And the peace of God, which is shalom, is yeah. so much more than just peace. It's so much more. It's living yeah. in the good of all that. So let's look at outcomes then. This is always the big, the big, <laughs> big challenge for people. Ooh, let's. <laughs> yeah. So let's, yes. What kind of systemic changes have you think, do you think you've seen perhaps in statutory services or in the church itself that that yeah i am i'm not good at measuring changes mm. i love qualitative data so we are getting we encourage every sense to sort of gather quotes and stories right. more, more the quotes than the stories we don't want to pressurize people to give a story that's got a happy ending mm-hmm. um yeah or either do we want to draw out great big stories of woe that we can do nothing with? So actually being careful with stories, but saying, give us a quote about what has helped you today. What's been useful to you in this space? What is helping you to get out of bed and get your feet on the floor in the morning? And at centre after centre, people are saying very similar things, that the pressure is off. So with the systemic change within... Within services, I don't know what the systemic change is. I'm a little bit concerned about it, to be honest, because it seems like we are in a very different place having Mm. had pandemic. People are not okay. And there's been a lot of loss. And we're almost trying to pretend it didn't happen. And I'm I'm very concerned, to be honest. And I'm concerned that churches are doing similarly. Sing a little Mm. louder and maybe it'll all go away. But we've all gone through that. The the certainties have shifted under our feet. And so I think... What I'm what I'm seeing happen in the churches we are engaging with, and to be honest, that's a, a, you know it's it's about three or four hundred out of two and about five thousand, isn't it? So it's still only a small proportion. But the ones that we're engaging with, I'm seeing a, a gentleness, a slowing of pace, a need to really ask bigger questions about what they actually believe and how they want to live. Um, I, I'm. I'm fairly excited about a younger generation who we're not seeing in our churches, but who are not prepared to sell their soul for a bigger house and a and a, and a promotion. I, I'm actually quite interested in what's going to happen in the next generation mm. of what it looks like to be church. So, so for the for the folks that are slowing down and showing up and praying and being with us, um, what's happening is almost like a new monasticism, a kind of a a being present but in daily life um, and not sort of cloistering away but mm-hmm. saying this is the life I live and these are the spaces that enable me to do that and these are the rhythms that I can practice wherever I am um, and, and I, that that excites me um, one of the other things that I'm systemic things that I've seen that I'm not as excited about is churches that during the pandemic were interested in doing something about mental health now too busy to do that and a lot of kind of um programmatic fix-it mentality that says right we've got some issues let's do some more things forgetting we too are human so i i think that you know there's the flip side to the good things that i'm seeing mm-hmm. but i mean 
some of the churches that have been on this journey for a while are now beginning it's the life of of sort of um of well-being is is seeping into the whole of church so you might have a well-being space for children and for young people you might have um been doing some sort of stuff in your in your gatherings that is overtly for people who might struggle with it being too long or too much some people are um, there's a lovely church in derby where um basically one in four services on a sunday is in the renew space for people to do in a renew style so cafe style much more gentle rhythms of prayer and people who are coming to faith are finding that to be um, people who people who've been there a long time too actually are finding that to be what they can cope with at the moment mm. so actually i'm quite excited there's there's a bit of a conversation there around how we're not a denomination, neither will we ever be, but how could the life of a simple space where we practice presence, how could that affect the whole of what we call church? Wow. Um, and begin to have the rhythms and practices and habits. So so the five ways to well-being, you know, that New Economics mm-hmm. Foundation sort of came up with all those years ago, yeah. connecting, learning, getting active, taking notice, giving... Those are things that are the very bedrock of church anyway. So the language of well-being has always been there in the language of the gospel. And Mm. what I'm seeing happen for some churches is they're being prepared to dial back their activity and their busyness to begin to get these rhythms and habits that are already connecting with the hunger that's out there in in their communities. Um, And and those sort of friendships that are developing between mental health services and um, social prescribers and folk from the church, I'm loving that. Where you can sit at table around a shared language, that's happening when people are really engaging with well-being. Um, So, yeah, it's it's heartening, actually. It's... (laughs) It's a big old battlefield, but it's quite it's quite a heartening set of it's not really outcomes though, David. That's what you've asked me well, for. Well, I think no, the thing is you, the thing is with outcomes is people don't necessarily notice them. They just happen. Um politicians, the classic one is a politician throws out a policy and the outcome is that um, you know, the policy works and some people are adversely impacted and they always interview those people on the sofa. Uh, the BBC always zero in on people on the sofa who, for whom the policy is going to you know, make their life wretched. Yeah. Um, and this is the case, whatever the government, whatever the stripe, and that's an outcome. And so in this case, the outcomes are the ch- transformation of people's experience, their expectation of what church is, how mm. and th- it's quite exciting to think that people are starting to worship in a way that is far less about programs and more about just being with god yeah presence yeah. and i i think i think yeah i think <laughs> it seems to me that language is really important in this mm-hmm. and so what seems to be happening in places where people are slowing down enough to listen to the stories their own story really god's story and the stories around them is the shared language of well-being is enabling people to go oh well actually i wanted that anyway mm. so where we put language around god that kind of 
privatizes him, so to speak. What's happening with the well-being language is it's saying that's what we mean by well-being. We mean shalom. We mean peace. We mean what it is you've been paying a lot of money to try and get and looking for. And realizing that we're not the only people who care about that. Mm, and that yeah. actually there are really good partners out there. And, and I think the language of blessing has been important for us anyway, to say, well, look, not what, what's right and what's wrong and what can we, you know, what we believe about this and what's on, but actually a value-led thing that mm. says we have to bless these values. Thank you for what you're doing. Spotting that God's at work in all sorts of ways, even when people don't know it's God. So I think that kind of catching something amazing going on and then kind of naming it and saying, I think that might be good. Um, there's such a lot of lovely stories out there, but th those are the things we try to gather together and we have quite a lot of online, three times a year we get, get together online and tell the stories, see the quotes, look at the pictures of the places. So we're measuring you know, our, our kind of efficacy, if you like, not by how many people are coming through the doors, because the, the, the sort of value of the one has always been important, that we would show up if, mm -hmm. if it was one person, we think Jesus would show up, so we will. Yeah. Um, but the fact, we measure whether people are willing to still be coming and hosting six months later. So we'll say, would you still be happy to be a host? Is yeah. this good for your well-being? So the people who are turning up and hosting these spaces are not some sort of volunteer fodder. They are human beings who want to be there for themselves. And in and as such, you'll make yourself at home in a way that people can join you. There's there's no bag of well-being to hand over. We just we can't approach we can't approach mental health in the same way we approach other social needs. Just it's not possible because we've all got our own limp. And so I think you know, what's that great quote about if you go to a drowning person, take something that floats or they will pull you under. Mm. And our something that floats are these rhythms and habits of life and prayer, and that's what we're offering, not ourselves. So we're not saying this church has got it right. We've got the, you know, the kite mark of being a church that do mental health. I don't think we'll ever be able to say that because yeah, we'll yeah. always be people. Um, but but at least I, I am beginning to see lots of different that it started within baptists to be honest and so there was quite a lot of baptist ones and i love that actually there's lots of ecumenical projects i up in scotland at the moment the ones that are really thriving are the ones where churches have just got their act together and they're working together and they're saying well how we all care about this so let's pull our resources let's use your building and our safeguarding yeah. and I, I love that's a an outcome is that is an outcome it's a, a unifying thing yes that people I, see yeah. a shared purpose that they need this thing so they'll they'll host it here and this person will get involved from this place and that place that's amazing and actually something you couldn't necessarily program it just happens organically and i think that's the thing about renew when i hear you talk is it's just something that just sort of it, it's like the ground being watered from underneath yeah, Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 
it's, it's we something... always we always use the language of cultivation and mm. this picture of are these wildflowers or weeds <laughs> we don't know <laughs> and so i have now got you know from a team of just me it's mm-hmm. good there's nine of us now that work for the charity and we kind of have different patches that we oversee and we we really genuinely are beyond now what that team can do and into are there networks of volunteers who can right. see the grow because it's not just about what can we stick in the ground and make it look pretty it is about how do these roots go so deeply that they're drawing on that that water that you're talking about that Mm. is i think you know the very presence of god that that that's been drawn on so deeply that the root systems begin to kind of join up and and our culture shift is kind of where I'm I'm seeing this going. Very interesting. Um, that is self-seeding, you know, the self-seeding goes on and we've had that lot, that dandelion head thing, mm. that picture didn't come into us a lot, that this is growing where we are not planting it. And sometimes where we're trying to dig it into the concrete, it's not happening. So um but culture change is an outcome, We do have a system, it? a way to give this away. We know we do need some training. We mm. get people to sign an agreement to say they'll keep it simple. We're keen that Renew Wellbeing is synonymous with really good practice and simple practice. But we want people to sustain this for long term because that's how your roots will grow. Yeah. Your roots aren't going to grow overnight. They're going to grow by practicing this, by keeping showing up, by 10 years' time going, oh, now this has got some fruit on it. <laughs> and it might take that long. Yeah. And that's the thing about outcomes. They are very long term, some of them. But you mentioned culture change. And I think that in itself is an outcome that you could long to see. Mm. Ruth, we could go on for uh, I could listen. We could talk, you know. Well, it's lovely talking to you, David. And I reckon you come back to me in 10 years time. Yeah. Might be able to tell you what the outcome was. That's great. Let me uh, let me close it there. Thank you so much. Thank you for spending your time listening to this. Do subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already done so. And feel free to follow me, David Simmons, of Absolute Communication and Cinema Network on LinkedIn. Thank you.